much for this gift of presenting our lives as a living sacrifice. And Lord, we thank you so much that you fill us up with life when we, when we give, when we share, when we love other people. And so God, we pray that this time would be a time of, of, of letting go, just releasing ourselves into your hands and allowing you to work in this, this, this moment, this hour, this few minutes where we, where we meditate on all that you, you're, you've given us, all the goodness that we have in our life. Um, so we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please have a seat. Um, sit anywhere, really. You could sit where you are. You could walk around, find a seat, anything you want to do. Doesn't matter. Who's going to the Phil Wickham concert? Nobody? Everybody? Okay, look at this. I, I just, here, this is what you're going to do. This, you don't know this yet, but you're going to do this. This is good. So you're going to just call up your friend that you know, yeah, me, church, yeah. and you're going to say, let's just uh, go to the fair on Thursday, Okay. And they'll say, yeah, that's great. But you have tickets? Yeah, I have free tickets. So just buy them tickets for the fair, right? And then you walk along and you go, oh, Phil Wickham. I, I think I saw him on American Idol or something. We should go in there. We should go in there. Let's get in their front seat and just see what happens. Just let me know if that works out for you, okay? So um, it's going to be awesome. Really, I'm not kidding you. This, this is, okay, if you think that this concert... This gift, this free concert at the Midstate Fair is for all the Christians in the, church, in, the, in the town to just kind of go and pat themselves on the back. No, that's not what it is. It's for you to invite your friends to come and experience something they wouldn't other experience, otherwise experience. Um, you know, uh, you know we, we got headphones. We can, we can go for a run. We're good. But, but to bring those people into an experience like that, of that, that kind of worship, it's awesome. Changed my life when someone brought me to a concert like that up at a church called Bayside. Have you ever heard of that church? Just, just was an awesome experience. There's, there's a little known artist of Matt Redman and Chris Tomlin playing together. I was like, like, do these guys play together all the time? No, not really. They just did it for you. So, so, oh, did you get your bulletins? Who got a bulletin on the way in? And inside, you'll notice there's 15 pieces of paper. And then this is the one I want you to look at. This is, okay, so, so you can take all the other ones. Now they're important. Don't throw them away. But this is the one. It says Extreme Church Makeover, Saturday, August 26th, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. This is like um, this is like CrossFit for people who want to like get get involved in the church. This is like this is the this is extreme church makeover. Okay, this is like this is like this is not like P90. This is P90X. This is the whole thing. This is like you ever tried those things? Those things are tough. Those are really hard. So Extreme Church Makeover is on Saturday, August 26th, and um, the first hardest thing that you'll do is write your name, which I've been working on for years, and then you get your email, your phone number, and then this is a real hard one. It's a checkbox, and it says, I am willing to serve on Saturday, August 26th. You, go, you just, oh, what? And then, please circle all that apply. Now, you can circle, there's, we made it simple, dig, <laughs> dig, paint, cook. You can, there's going to be an interesting meal going on here. Build, clean, or put, put me where you need me. There's a really long one that you can circle there. And then it also says additional information. Are you a professional electrician, contractor, painter, nuclear physicist, or other? Please let us know and circle and let us specify. Speci specify. So if you're a nuclear physicist, let us know because I'd be, we don't know what you could do to this worship space, but we will, we will use you. So Extreme Church Makeover, you may think, hey, why are, they, why, are they, why are they reshaping the worship space? Why would they do that? It's cool. It's a great worship space. Well, I'll tell you why. It's not for us. You starting to get the theme of today? It's not for us. It's, it's because we want to roll out the red carpet. And we know that this past year, the attendance of the church has grown by 30%. Every single, like if you look, this Sunday versus the Sunday last year is 30% higher. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's so awesome. But that means that there have been a couple Sundays where we've looked around and we know that 
that there's not a lot of seats available. And that's not a very good welcome carpet if you're like, hey, uh, there's no seats for you, so sorry. So we, we, we think that if we rotate the room, we're going to have more seats available. We think that we are going to be able to have more events in here. And uh, the purpose of it is so that we, can you imagine this? Imagine that these walls of this, of this church are not just something where we say, hey, you know, uh, let's, find the, let's find the cheapest bid we can to get all this stuff done, and let's just have that person do that. And a lot of the contractors in the church said, that would be the best way to go. Trust me, a lot easier. Trust me, it's better, less work. Probably cheaper too. (laughs) But instead, we want to make sure that these walls are love letters. That when people come into this space, they encounter the love letter that you've written with your work and your care and they're just really welcome. They just feel that embrace. And trust me, you can tell the difference between a home-cooked meal and a meal where someone's just like, you know, throwing that thing together. You can tell the difference between something that's presented with love and something that's just kind of checking the box. Today we're going to talk about this thing called Extreme Church Makeover and how Paul writes to this church in Rome and he is, he's an old man at this point, but he's writing to this church in Rome, and he's, he's, he's helping them out because they're a good church, but they could use a little bit of a makeover. You know, like a house. You go, and he's like, that's a pretty good house, but it could use a makeover. And, and what we found out last week is that he reminded them that, that what that church becomes, whatever happens on August 26th, is really up to God. And whatever happens 10 years from now, what this church looks like is ultimately really up to God. But today we're going to find out that God chooses to use people like you and me. That God actually, his plan for, for refurbishing and, and making over the church and making over this world, bringing about his kingdom, is actually to use us. And so I, I think you're going to love this scripture. It's, uh, it's from Romans 10, verse 1 through 21. And the best part is the way it begins. This is such a beautiful, beautiful first line for this little section of scripture. And Paul says... Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Now, if you look at anything in Scripture, that is such a beautiful, beautiful word. Is your heart's desire? Is you, I mean, I, I honestly can't always answer this yes. My one number one jackpot lottery dream come true thing is for other people to be happier. So many times, it's like six-pack abs would be nice. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, there's things that come before that so often before I'm thinking about other people and their happiness. But Paul's jackpot, dream come true, lottery vision for his life would be that other people would be at a Phil Wickham concert. <laughs> Singing that song. I lift my hands. I'm not, I, that's why I don't lead worship, but you know what I mean? But I will be singing. I'll be singing. So this is, this, is what, uh, this is what he goes on to say. He says, I can testify that they have a zeal for God. Interesting. People who are passionate about God. But it's not enlightened. Have you ever seen some of those people at football games with the big scary signs? They're like, you're going to hell. You know, that might, I don't want to judge, but I mean, it seems pretty zealous. Doesn't seem super enlightened. There's, there's some ways of sharing the good news about God that is really not, doesn't seem like it's sharing the good news at all. It's, it's scaring people. And, um, and this, is, this, is, this, is, uh, this is what Paul says. He says, for being, being ignorant of the righteousness that comes from God and seeking to establish their own righteousness. Have you ever seen people trying to establish their own kingdoms, their own righteousness? 
But it's because they don't know, he says. That's what Paul says. He just they don't know. They have not submitted to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Now, okay, one of my, one of my weirdest things that ever happened was I saw a book on the shelf, and it was a business textbook, and I opened it, and I thought, I'm going to try to learn something about business. I opened it, and I'm telling you, it changed my life. It was the best quote ever. It's from a guy named Peter Drucker, who was a Christian economist, and he said this, if we want to know what a business is, we have to start with its purpose, and the purpose must lie outside of the business itself. And then I just closed the book, and I never read an economics book again in the history of my life. I tried. I opened it again. I'm like, this doesn't work every time. But if you take that sentence and you take out the word business and you put in your own purpose, I want to ask yourself, can, ask you if you can say, like Ben was saying, soul, can I say this? Can I say this about you, soul? If we want to know what, if we want to know who James is, we have to start with James's purpose. You get that? Put your name in there. And the purpose of James must lie outside of James. If we want to know what Highlands is, and we really have to start with Highlands' purpose. And Highlands' purpose has to lie outside of Highlands itself, or it will die. You can take anything, anything at all, guarantee you, and you will not find this not to be true. And Peter Drucker got this out of his faith in Christ. He learned this from Jesus. I mean, if you want to know what America is, its purpose has got to lie outside of itself. It's just true of anything. And we'll get to it later in the message. Everything that we have in our life has to be outside of itself. It can't be selfish. This is, this is, the, this is what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking to a, a church that is all about the law, right? And, and they're like, do it this way. Now, the law could be anything. The law could be, hey, we got to worship in a, in a black space, for example. Or the law could be, we got to have rock and roll. Or we got to have, we got to have coffee. If we don't have coffee, that's not what's going to, or people can't wear ties to church. That's just like, that can't happen. Anything can be your law, right? And what the church in Rome was doing is it was saying, this is our law. And we want to make sure that the people that we reach out to, they become like us. Even though they're reaching out to people who are made in the image of God, they're saying, now you, we want you to be made in the image of, of the church. And what Paul is saying, he's saying you cannot go and impose your faith on other people. You can't go up to other people and say, what we want to do is perpetuate ourselves. We just want more highlands. We want more of whatever we've already got. We want to just take this thing we got and we just want it to become bigger. No, 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 that's, that's, not, that's not good evangelism. That's not what God calls us into to go and perpetuate ourselves. God calls us to perpetuate Jesus to perpetuate Jesus's face and Jesus's likeness. Now listen to where Paul says, where all of that comes from. I love what he says about, I keep turning my Bible upside down. It doesn't read that well. This is what Paul says. He says, Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. You heard of live by the, live by the sword, what? Oh, boy, you guys came back quick on that one. The righteousness that comes from faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? Have you ever, have you ever talked to someone and they're like, I wonder if that person's going to heaven. Have you ever had that conversation? You have. Oh, that was really quiet. Yes, you have. All have had those conversations and they're never good. You never walk away from that conversation feeling real good, right? I always like call that like the Jesus feeling. If you walk away from a conversation and you just go, do I, do I feel like I was raised in the presence of 
It's important. It says, he says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down. Or who will ascend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. Paul's saying you can't as a church decide who's in and who's out. As Christians, you can't walk up to other people and say, you're not it and you're it. That's not who we are. That's not what we're called to do. Jesus is the judge. Remember that in the Bible. Jesus, and thank God for that. What a gracious and loving judge. Merciful, kind, the best guy. You, you want to choose? I'm like, I see a lot of nice people in here, but I, trust me, I don't want you to be the judge. Trust me. It's like, it's like nicest person in here, Jesus. So crazy, superhero power size, nice. That's the guy you want to be the judge, right? And loving and truthful. Listen to how Paul continues with this. He says, but what does it say? Now he's telling you what you want to say. Instead of saying, all right, who's going to go to hell? Who's going to go to heaven? This is what you want to say. What does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. I might not have put the, lyric, the scripture in there, but it, listen to this. But what does it say? The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See, the difference, is, the difference here is heart. The difference is, is the heart. See, okay, have you ever been passionate about something? I mean, I can tell you guys are passionate about um, Phil Wickham, for example. Or, or like, or passionate about your favorite food or your favorite restaurant. I went to a restaurant the other day. It was amazing. And I can't stop talking about it. I'm telling people, this is an insane restaurant. You have to go there. It's the least thing you'd expect. But, but you go and they do these things with food and it's so incredible. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but you know what I'm talking about. Because there's a lot of good restaurants in this town, but you find your thing and you're passionate about it. And how hard is it to tell other people about it? Because it's not, because you're just talking about it from your heart. Because there's something that's changed in you. You're like, this is a great thing. When you are sharing the good news with another person, you do not have to take a class on how to share the good news. You don't have to go, oh, well, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go through class 101, 201, 301, and 401 to, in, order to, in order to tell people what I like. And you're really not going to have to do that in order to tell people what you love. If you, if you are just speaking from your heart, that's going to say more to anybody than anything you could ever, ever do. It's such, a, it's such a beautiful thing. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't be that law-minded person. It's talking about all the other jimble jamble. Talk about, talk from the heart. Be the person who is, who is talking out of the heart of Jesus to other people. Talk passionately and be honest and be truthful. Then he says these words. Paul says, for one who believes with the heart and so is justified. For one, sorry, for one believes with the heart and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. You see the transition from the heart to the mouth? One believes with the heart and so is justified. You just, oh yeah, that's good. That's good. You believe in it with your heart. But when you confess with your mouth, then you're saved. Wait a second. Why is it so important for you to confess with your mouth? Why is it so important for you to share the good news? Why is it so important if you find something good? Can you imagine if you found something good? There's like, there's like I'm trying to think of something really good. All of them are really bad things. I'm just going to keep thinking until I say it. There is, let's go back to Phil Wickham. Free will, free Phil Wickham concert tickets being handed out on the other side of this wall, right? And I just forget to tell you that. I just like, you know, you know, I got mine and I'm good. And then I walk in and everybody's like, hey, what's going on in your life? Oh, nothing. I can't think of anything that's going on. 
Not, nothing. Walk back out. Oprah's handing out cars. Come back in. What's going on? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all, really. I got my car. I got my car. I, where'd you get your car from? Oh, I don't, I don't remember, remember. But there, I failed to no, mention there's a lady out there handing out cars to everybody. You get my point? Like, like how could you not share that? How can, you, how can you not share the thing that you're most excited about in your life with another human being? Actually, that's the point where Paul is saying that's where the saving comes in. That's where the salvation comes from. That's where the life comes from. The life comes from the thing that comes, that, that you share. The giving. The life comes when you give. When you extend. When you are selfless and loving and awesome. I just said awesome I looked at my nephew. He's so awesome. I'm like, awesome. Because he's the awesomest kid in the whole world. I love that guy. He shreds on guitar. He's so good. I love that guy. Um, there's also this power in words. There's a power. I remember when I was in high school youth group. Did anybody go to high school youth group? Yeah, yeah a couple of you? Yeah. Mine was, mine was not like a, like, just, I, I didn't help a lot, but it wasn't the coolest high school youth group. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> There was one girl in it that I thought was really, really cool. It's safer to talk about these things in public. Anyway, I thought I'd tell you this. And I never said anything. I never said, I never said, because you know, there was a fear in that, saying, I like you. So we just stayed in the friend zone. Do you know what I'm talking about? In a way, I think that that was probably a good thing. <laughs> but there's that fear in your life where you, where you see that person and you don't say that thing because you know that there's this thing called a relational grenade. Want to go on a date? Uh-oh. <laughs> you know? We were friends. Now we don't talk. I love you. Oh, my goodness. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. I, that's probably where it went wrong in youth group, where I started with that line. But, um, <laughs> but do you know what I'm talking about? Like, like words have power, and we know they have power, so we're afraid to use them because they're so powerful. But it's not us who gives them the power. It's Jesus who gives the words the power. It's just that Jesus gives us the privilege and, and, and joy of being able to share the words with people. I just spat when I said that. It's exciting. <laughs> thinking about that restaurant. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I might tell you the name of it at the end of this. So, okay. So then this is what Paul continues. He says, but how are they to call on whom? This is totally, this makes sense. I mean, can, as I read this verse, anyone who feels that this makes a little bit of sense can just say an amen. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? I mean, really? Yeah. I, all right. And one amen. How are they to believe? No, here, this is a good one. How are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? right? And how are they here without someone to proclaim it? This stuff is not rocket science. Nuclear physicist, whoever you are. (laughs) Anybody can get this stuff. As it is written, how beautiful, look down at your feet. This is this, you you know what? I, I I think feet are beautiful. I know a few people, my wife included, who do not like the look of feet. I'm just saying, let's say. This is getting personal. This is going to get personal. We're about to go on a family vacation. Why not, right? <laughs> Look down at your feet. This is what the scripture says. Look at your feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news? Look at your feet and say, feet, you're beautiful. 
Nobody did that, but that's okay. But not all have obeyed the good news. Not all have walked with their feet. Not all have shared the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. Read that, say that again with me. So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. What? So there's this integral connection between faith and hearing the good news. That God has got all of this under control, but God has decided to share something with us, something profound, that we actually get to participate in the bringing about of faith in the world. Now, faith is contagious. It's more contagious than any disease you've ever heard in the world, but it's not spread through kissing, no matter what high school youth group you think you're in. It's not spread through mosquitoes or anything else. Faith is spread through the sharing of the good news. Amen. Through sharing it. Through picking up the phone and saying, hey, you want, this is like a Phil Wickham promo or something. <laughs> want to go to the Phil Wickham concert? On, want to go to the, come on down. You really, you really don't have to do a lot of work there. It's a big Ferris wheel. You know, there's a lot of reasons to get down there. And um, this, is, this is a divine setup. You can't get the red carpet rolled out for you better to, than, than to... There's a rock climbing wall. I've heard it's a million stories. The best kids ride, whatever you want. It. Just bring the family. Bring these people. Bring them and help, help them hear because they can't do anything. If you don't hear about how fun it is to follow Jesus and how what a transformation it is, then what, what, there isn't any hope. There's no hope if no one shares it with you. No one tells you Oprah's handing out cars. Now there's this thing. Okay, in the Middle East, there are two bodies of water. The first body of water is the Sea of Galilee, which you've heard a lot about. Jesus grew up around this beautiful Galilee. Look at that beautiful picture with, with grass and there's fish and there's cities around there. Kids swim in, the, swim in it. They, it's, it's the best place. It's, I know you can't believe this. It's better than Lake Nasameno. Seriously, <laughs> better. No way. This place is alive. And the reason why is because there's this great river that flows into it. You heard of Jordan River. We sang about that earlier today. You're like, like, why do they sing about Michael Jordan? No, we were singing about the Jordan River. We were singing about the Jordan River, which Michael Jordan might also be a good idea to sing about too. But the Jordan River flows in with life into the Sea of Galilee, and then it flows out of the Sea of Galilee with just as much life as it flows into it. And then it flows on down the valley and it goes down into this big sea called the Dead Sea. And that's what the Dead Sea looks like. And do you want to know the difference between the Dead Sea and the Sea of Galilee? Life, yes. But why is there no life in the Dead Sea? There's a lot of reasons. You, all those are the right answers. But we're talking, this is called, okay, those are called presenting problems in psychology. We pull back the layers and we discover the underlying issue. The underlying issue is that there is no outlet. That there's no river flowing out of the Dead Sea. And when there's no life being sent out of it, then the life just decays inside of it. And it dies and it, and it becomes a place of disease. It becomes a place of death. Do you see a little bit of a parallel a beautiful, beautiful illustration for our own life. When we do not give, when we don't share with other people, when our neighbors are not our focus, when we become self-focused, when the transformation of the church becomes all about us, then it becomes a dead sea vision. 
But when the transformation of the church becomes about other people, it becomes about the widows and the poor and the prisoners. Prisoners? Yeah, the prisoners. The convicted prisoners? Yes, the convicted prisoners. Every single prisoner, the prisoners in the mind, the prisoners of relationships, the prisoners to their jobs, the prisoners to their dreams, the prisoners of every single kind, the people who are in the hospitals who are sick, all of those people, when that becomes the focus, suddenly there's this life springing up. And the extreme church makeover that Paul is telling him is don't be all about yourself. And when you are all about others, when, when you lead and transform the church when you're on your hands and knees. And Jesus Christ gave us the example of that. He said to his disciples, they, they said, no, you will not wash my feet. You will not have a towel around your waist. It was like, it was the most disgusting thing back then, washing feet. I mean, back then they did not like feet either, but it was because they didn't, they walked around and they didn't have socks and shoes. Gnarly, 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 gnarly. So disgusting. Ah, <laughs> so gross. And Peter's like, Jesus, you're not going to wash my feet. They are nasty. And Jesus says, if you do not let me serve you in this way, then you can have no part in me. If you don't let me be the person who is serving you, then you can't understand what I'm calling you to do is to live your life scrubbing the floors, painting the walls, getting ready for the preparation of our hearts so that we can welcome people in and when we do, we can say, hey, you know what? See that, that wall over there? I painted that. You see, see, those, see that awesome set? I helped design that. See this children's ministry room? I'm going to take you down there. Because I haven't been until I painted and helped fix it up. I want to take you down there because it's really cool. Look at what we did to it. Suddenly the church comes alive because it's, I mean, we are alive now, trust me. But, but you can't really experience the kind of life that this church is, that God has in store for this church unless we just give and give and give and no jealousy and only love. And so now tonight, today, we're, we're going to pray a little bit, but actually these cards are in your hands for a reason. The ushers, I'm going to ask the band to come on up and I want you guys to just play like a slow jam if you can or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Like a spiritual slow jam. That one, something, something, something up, a little, little bigger. Can it be happier? Can we go like a, like... Not too, not too sad. Not too sad. This is fun. <laughs> He's like, hmm. Something by Phil Wickham, for example. <laughs> yeah, that's better. That's better. That's better. So, no, okay. So what we want to do is we want you to spend some time in prayerful meditation. In prayerful meditation and to write your name. And then if you can't do this Saturday thing because... You know, you got work. If, if you've got work, we are asking you, would you be willing to call the boss and say, I think I'm going to be sick in a month? <laughs> really? And then just circle one of those things that you can do. And also, if you want to write, put me where you need me, you can do that too. But you could also write down, um, if you can't make it that day, you could write, I want to be a part of that prayer team. I'm going to commit and dedicate to pray for what God is doing in terms of this extreme church makeover. And, um, and then we will contact you and you will be part of this, this, this thing, this giving that's going to take place, this overflow. So we're going to take just a few minutes for you guys to, to pray about that. And um, if you're not from town, just, just write down some way that you, you want to give, be part of an extreme church makeover somewhere else. That's okay. And so the ushers are handing out pens. If you don't have one, just grab one. 
And then we're going to put these in the offering baskets in just one minute. So there's a scripture we're going to show up here. So you have, you have about a, a minute. I'm going to pray first, okay? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you're doing in the life of this church, for the way you're growing us and shaping us and forming us and lifting us up. And so God, we do pray that, that, um, that, that we would recognize that when we write these words, they have power. That we're making commitments that we don't even know what they mean. But Lord, by, the, by your power, you are going to transform lives through the simple offerings we give. Uh, when, we, when we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, Lord, um, we don't become the dead sea. We become the living thing. So, Lord, we just have this little minute, Lord, where we pray that you would work in the hearts of this congregation.